Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Well, the title of my message today is It's Time to Raise Our Expectations. A little boy was once overheard talking in the backyard to himself. His mom peered out the window and she's like, what is he doing? She noticed he had a baseball cap on his head, a baseball bat in one hand, and a baseball in another hand. Now this mother knew this little boy wanted to be the greatest baseball player in the entire world, but he was a single child. So he often had to play by himself. So she watched this whole situation play out and she watched him throw the ball up and strike one. He goes, I'm the best baseball player in the entire world, he said to himself. So he picks up that ball again. He goes, here we go. Strike two. I'm the greatest baseball player in the world, he said. He picks up that ball a third time. The pressure's on. Everybody's watching. Mom's looking through the window. This is my time to shine. Ready? He throws it up in the air and he goes, strike three. And he goes, wow, what a pitcher. Now that's what I call optimism. No matter how many times you strike out, you still find a way to win. You still find something to be positive about. What is faith? Faith is not a desire. Faith is not pretending. Faith is not a feeling. It's not a quiver in your liver, as some might say. Faith is simply an attitude of great expectation. And a lot of people set themselves up to fail in life. They say things like, well, I don't think I can. And when they fail, they say, see, I told you I couldn't. And they become victims of their own expectations. And I really believe that God has established this thing called the law of expectation, which means you tend to get out of life what you expect from life. And our expectations, good, bad, or lack thereof, will influence every single area of our lives. From our families, to our marriages, our happiness, our health, our relationships, our kids, our careers, and even our spirituality. You know, I remember the story of Jesus healing the two blind men in Matthew 9, 28 to 30. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him out, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. And he asked them, do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Do you know what this story tells me? This story tells me that you get to choose how much God blesses your life. Do you know that? You get to choose how much God blesses your life. Even further than that, you get to choose what limits that you set on your life. Because Jesus says right here, it's according to your faith that it's done to you. And there are two philosophies that you can live by in life. Faith or fear. Pessimism or optimism. Remember Job. He was a pessimist. I actually never realized that until I read the story in this light. It says in Job 3.25, what I feared has come upon me. 
what I dreaded has happened to me. Job focused on what he didn't want in life instead of what he did want in life. And to live on the offensive is to focus on what you don't want instead of what you do want in life. But what we have to understand is where our focus goes, the power will flow. Where your focus goes, the power will flow. So let's be like Paul who said in 2 Timothy 1.12, I know the one in whom I trust. And I am sure that he, has, he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me until the day of his return. Paul says, I'm confident that what God has promised for my life, I will receive. I expect God to do great things in my life. And my question to you today is, what are you expecting from life? Have you ever asked yourself that? What are you expecting, young people, from your life? Because all of us are expecting something, whether it's good or whether it's bad or nothing. And those of us who are expecting good things, those good things are pulling us like a magnet into our future. And those of you who are expecting bad things or a lack thereof, they're also pulling you like a magnet into your future. And today I want to share with you a very familiar story about the ultimate example of what great expectations will do for you in your life. I'm going to pull three quick points about what it will do for you, and I'm going to give you five really practical ways to apply it this week, starting this week. If you're ready to say, I'm tired of letting fear dictate my life. I'm going to take life by the hands. I'm going to have great expectations, and I'm going to let faith pull me into my future like a magnet. Well, our story is found in 1 Samuel 17. He was a giant warrior from a city called Gath. He was over nine feet tall, and he wore over a couple hundred pounds of armor. And his name was Shaquille O'Neal of the Middle East. (laughs) And every day he'd walk out on that battlefield, and he would taunt the Israeli army. He'd say, send out your best man, and I'll fight him. And whoever loses will be slaves to the other side. Verse 11 gives us the mindset of the men of the Israeli army. On hearing the Philistines' words... Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. They were all paralyzed with fear. Can we give a big wham, wham for Saul and the Israelites? Bunch of wimps. Well, along comes a little teenager who's been tending to the sheep day and night. A little nobody. And he says, who is this Philistine? Verse 32, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. David said, well, I'll do it. I've got a slingshot. I've got a couple pebbles in my back pocket. No problem. I'll take him on. David is just oozing with great expectation. He says in verse 37, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. You see, David expected the best. He said, God's done it before. Why couldn't he do it right now? While everybody else was saying, David's too small, he can't win. David was saying that Goliath is too big. How could I ever miss? It's a matter of perspective. Too small to win or too big to miss. And you know the rest of the story. This little shepherd boy nobody takes on this champion giant warrior 
with nothing more than a slingshot, and he wins the entire day. Well, this extraordinary story shows us three things that we can apply to our life if we want to ooze with great expectations just like David did. The first one is having great expectations, it honors God. The number one reason that you need to raise your expectation level is because it first and foremost honors God. I want you to look what David says to Goliath in verse 46. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today, I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. What is David doing here? He's prophesying. He's casting a vision to Goliath. He's saying, this is what I am going to do to you. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. And he's given all of you into our hands. What a testimony of faith. A boy with a slingshot speaks to a champion giant warrior about what his God is going to empower him to do before it even happens. David expected the best from his heavenly father and his great expectations honored God. You know, when I work out, I'm miserable. I hate working out. Like somebody says, you want to go to the gym? Oh, that makes me so mad. Like, don't even ask me. I hate it. Okay, I'll find any other way to lose weight other than going to the gym. There are better ways, okay? I'll tell you what makes me really mad <clears throat> is going to like those free weight gyms. Like, do you guys have Mountainside here? What do you have? Like, what's your like your LA, LA Fitness? Okay, whatever. So you go into LA Fitness, there's all these free weights sitting out there. Like, what are we supposed to do with this? How does this work? Like, where are the people clapping for me and telling me I'm amazing and doing, like, they're not there. So, you know, as this normally happens, when you get married, they talk about the freshman 40, but like they never talk about like the newlywed 60. And <laughs> I gained like so much weight from getting married. And the free weight gym just wasn't gonna happen. Wasn't gonna happen. So Ash was very strategic and he signed me up for Orange Theory because he knew I needed some encouragement. And what I love about Orange Theory is you've got people in your ear 24-7 telling you how good you look, telling you how good you are at running, telling you like you look amazing lifting those weights. And because they expected something out of me, they're like, hey, Aubrey, you've got great running form. I bet you could go up two points on that treadmill. And I'm like, yeah, I probably could, couldn't I? Boop, boop, I'm up, I'm running, right? I don't know how these free weight gyms are still open for business when places like Orange Theory are praising you the entire workout. I performed better when someone expected something out of me. And here's the deal, when God hears you say, my father can do anything, I believe in my father, I know he's gonna work this out on my behalf, he's gonna show up because you're honoring him. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You see, it pleases God when you say, I thank you in advance that you're going to provide. I expect you to work it out. And some of you here today, I'm sorry, I'm going to get a little tough right now, have zero expectations for your life, yet you're sitting around like little victims saying, why hasn't God done anything? Oh, 
my financial situation, it sucks. But God, like, why haven't you given me a million dollars? My family, it's in shambles. But like, I don't expect anything to change. But God, why haven't you done anything about it? Maybe it's your lack of expectation that's dishonoring. And if you would just raise your expectation level, God would honor that and work on your behalf. You know, before I met Ash, I, I dated a lot of people. I was one of those girls. I, I loved to date. I, it was fun. I wanted a free meal. I, <laughs> I was like, listen, before you take me out, I require a steak dinner, like right there. I wanted a free meal, I'm gonna be honest. And so, <laughs> no, but I was serious. I was serious about dating. I, I recognize that dating is the next step to marriage. That's not why you date for a free meal, ladies. I'm just kidding, don't listen to that. Um, dating is, should be taken very seriously. But I went to my dad one day in so much frustration. I dated all these guys. I'm like, dad, I don't like any of them. They're just a bunch of losers. Like, I, I don't, uh, like, what, there's nobody out there. What do I do? And he sat down with me. He goes, have you ever made a list about what you actually want? I said, well, no. Have you ever asked God to provide someone for you that's perfect for you? I go, well, no. And he goes, why don't you sit down tonight and make a list and be specific about the things that are important to you and the way you want your family to look like. And I wrote all those things down so specifically on New Year's Eve. I did that and I said, I want a pastor's son and I want him to be blonde and blue eyes and I want him to be athletic and I want to love his family and I want to get along with his siblings and all of those things came to pass because I had great expectations. God honored those expectations. <clears throat> Next, having great expectations, it increases your ability. Every athlete knows, I'm not an athlete. I once was, but I'm not anymore. But every athlete knows that attitude is the winning edge. Athletes who expect to win almost always outperform the athletes that expect to lose. This is hilarious because when I was in sixth grade, I was a track and cross country runner. Boy, did I despise that season. I, I know my dad right now is mad. He's like, you're good, come on. Nobody wanted me to win more than my dad did. Nobody wanted me to win more than my grandfather did. But I despised it. I remember sitting on the bus on the way to the track meets. I had my ear pods in and I would listen to like that really sad music to get my emotions going. And I'd look out the window like, I know what's in for me. This is gonna be the worst meet of my life. I don't wanna do this. I'm despising this. And sure enough, when I arrive, my whole family is there. Dressed in suits, my I add, because back then we used to work in suits at our at our church, and my dad would be in a suit running the race. Come on, Aubrey, you got this. Come on, Aubrey, you got this. And I would go, ah. we we still laugh about that to this day because I would just shake my head, screaming and crying. And then Tommy Barnett showed up to all my meets, and he just wanted me to win so bad. And so he would run up these hills and he would try to meet me. One time he slipped down the hill, bust open his chin, scratch. Everybody wanted me to win except me. But I was actually really good. I would place like top 10 and I hated it. Imagine what I could have done if I expected to win, if I had a great attitude. Now that's a story about my failed attempt to be a runner. But the same principle applies to your spiritual life. When we act in faith, 
When we act with great expectation, supernatural power is made available to you. And that's what happens in our story in verse 48. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and he struck the Philistine on the forehead. What I want you to notice here is the forehead was the only place on Goliath's body that was not covered with armor. That was really lucky, right? No, that was supernatural power. You see, David set himself up for success by having great expectations. He said, this is what's going to happen. I expect this to happen. And his faith increased his ability. Now, a skeptic might say, Aubrey, you obviously have not read the full story. David had five stones. I don't think he had that much faith, Aubrey. He thinks he needed five tries to hit Goliath out. Well, 1 Samuel 21 actually tells us that Goliath had four brothers waiting on the battlefield. You get where I'm going with my math here? He not only expected to take the sucker Goliath out, he was going to take all four of his brothers out on one try as well. Now that's what I call supernatural faith. Now David expected the best. And his great expectation, it honored God, and then it increased his ability. So what does this teach us? Never use lack of an ability as an excuse to say, I can't do it. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm not educated enough. I'm not qualified enough. God will compensate for all of that stuff if you will just have faith in him, if you will just have a great expectation of him. It's so easy for us. All we have to do is believe, and he does the rest. Never let an impossible situation intimidate you. Let it motivate you. Because yesterday's impossibilities are tomorrow's miracles. And every time you use the word impossible, you can listen for a laugh from heaven. Because that word is not even in God's vocabulary. Next, great expectation will encourage other people. Leaders in my life that have been so impactful have, can, have had the same different kinds of um, contagious personalities. Optimism, faith, and enthusiasm. Those have been some of the most amazing leaders in my life. And that's why Awaken Church has grown the way it's grown because your leaders possess optimism, enthusiasm, and faith. People want to follow that kind of leader. My favorite part of the story is in verse 51 to 52. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and he drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and they ran. Now look at the change of attitude here in the Israeli army. You ready for this? Then the men of Israel surged forward with a shout and they pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath. All of a sudden, all the soldiers got their little confidence back. All of a sudden, the soldiers wanted to be a part of the winning team. All of a sudden, they felt inspired and took off after the enemy. Why? Because great expectation honored God, which led to increased ability, which led to the encouragement of people around him. I'm telling you that faith, optimism, and enthusiasm they're so contagious. We can learn that from the elf, 
right? Like the elf comes in contact with the crankiest people of New York. New York people are so cranky. And he goes in there and he goes, singing's my favorite. And he sings this little song at the end and all of New York believes in Santa Claus again because he's so enthusiastic and joyous. There's a lot to learn there. There's some biblical principles in elf. It reminds me of back in 2013, my dad uh, had recently taken over Dream City Church and become the senior pastor after my grandfather. And they'd had an amazing, really big campus. My dad could have just rested there, been happy with life. Wow, thanks, Dad. This is great. But he said, no, I'm going to go out and find a dream of my own. I'm going to go on that mountain. So for 40 days, he fasted. And he went on that mountain and prayed, and God gave him the vision of a lifetime. He noticed that there's different states all over America that are known for something very specifically. Utah's known for their Mormons, right? So why couldn't Arizona be known for being a Christian state? And so he came down from this mountain, and he presented his vision to the church, And now people who looked at my dad and said, and he says, I'm going to make Arizona with the help of God, a Christian state would look at him and say, you're whack. Like you've been on that mountain for too long. I think you've got some sun poisoning. You're crazy. But because he had optimism, enthusiasm, and faith, we've had some of the biggest movers and shakers in all of Arizona adopt this vision as their own and help this dream to come true. We've had the architect company who built, rebuilt the MGM Grand in Las Vegas start to attend our church, hear about this vision, and go up to the mountains of Arizona and just start buying campuses. We've had politicians get behind us and say, we are with you. But if my dad didn't have optimism, enthusiasm, and faith, I can't help but think none of this would have ever happened. And then you look at Tommy Barnett who says, I want to start a 24-hour church in Los Angeles. People are like, what? What is that? That makes no sense. But because he had optimism, enthusiasm, and faith, people came out of the woodworks just to support and bring that vision to life. And maybe some of you are saying, Aubrey, wow, that's so inspiring. I wish I had that kind of faith, but I was kind of just born a pessimist. I'm just naturally a really negative person. And I think it's true, we all have different personality types. Some of us see the glass half full. Some of us see it half empty. Some of us are firecrackers and some of us are absolute duds. (laughs) It's just true. Some of us are up and down emotionally and some of us are very even keeled. I'm not talking about changing your basic personality because God gave you your personalities. But you can change your outlook on life. You can become a more faith-filled, positive mindset, big expectation kind of person because faith is a choice. And some of us are quite literally thwarting what God wants to do in our future because our outlook on life is fear-based and not faith-based. So maybe you're asking me today, well, how do I raise my expectation level, huh? If it's so awesome, if it's so great, how do I do it? Well, I've got five practical steps that you can apply this week that's going to change your mindset instantly and you're going to see how you can become a positive expectation-filled person. Number one, if you're saying it's time for me to raise my expectation level, start your day with faith, not doubt. Psalms 5.3 was written by David. He's the same guy who smacked down uh, Goliath. 
Listen to the kinds of things he filled his eyes and ears with every single morning. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and I wait in expectation. David said, each morning I get up, I spend time with God, I tell him my expectations and then I wait in expectation. How many of you naturally wake up really joyful in the morning? Like you're one of those morning people? Ew, so you know, you are who, you're who we should avoid as grumpy people. Like you're really annoying morning people. Sorry, how many of you grumpy people? That's all of us, wow. We got a lot of work to do, grumpy people. How many of you grumpy people know that when you wake up in the morning, you lose like all motor skills? Anybody lose all motor skills in the morning? I uh, never had staircase in my house in my life until I got married. And I like wake up like this, like I can't, I can't move. Like I, I can't, I don't want to deal with anybody. Don't talk to me until I get my coffee. And so I'm going down my staircase the first year of marriage and I'm wearing little socks. Ash is like, come on, Aubrey, we got to go. And so I'm running. I'm like this, I can't move my legs. I slip down the staircase and I go boom, 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 down the staircase. Ash goes, oh my gosh, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, don't even talk to me. Don't even talk to me. My day had already been awful right from the morning. Every morning when we get up, we get to choose our attitude. You can say, good morning, Lord, or you can say, good Lord, it's morning. And you can... (laughs) You can start your day by walking into the kitchen, greeting your spouse, saying, honey, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Or you can do what I do and trudge in the kitchen, have your spouse greet you, and they say, honey, isn't it a beautiful day? It's a great morning. And you go, good morning. Prove it. (laughs) I hear birds outside. I know they're on our back porch, pooping everywhere. (laughs) Tell me why this is a good day. Prove it. If you're serious about being a person of great expectation, then you'll need to start your day with faith, not doubt. With positive confession, saying this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Here's some practical advice. When you wake up in the morning, please don't turn the news on first thing. First thing, do not turn Fox News on and listen to rioting, looting, rape, Joe Biden. Like you don't need to add all of that crap onto your daily problems as if you don't already have enough of them. Start your day with prayer. Start your day by listening to Awaken podcast. Start your day by reading the word of God because that sets the tone for the rest of your day. You know, you'll even feel better if you start your day with faith. In the book, Optimism, the Biology of Hope, Lionel Tiger sheds light on research that proves that endorphins that optimism creates endorphins in the brain. Endorphins are the chemicals that reduce pain and increase the feeling of well-being. So get this, optimism creates endorphins in your brain that fire through your body that produces the feeling of well-being. So you can quite literally act your way into a feeling instead of feel your way into an action. So start your morning with God. Don't even say, I'm going to have a good day. Say, I'm going to make this a good day because it's a choice. Next, look for something good in everything and everyone. Tommy Barnett is the king of this. We had a Father's Day service years and years ago 
where we do this special little tradition every year where we call up to the front the newest father, the oldest father, and the father with the most kids. Well, Grandpa had come across the man with the most kids. He goes, come up here. Come to the stage right now. So the man runs up and he goes, how many kids do you have? He goes, I got 19 daughters. Now, Tommy Barnett's little, like, electros are flying. He goes, oh, he's got this little bit that he does in his sermons about King Solomon and his 700 wives. And when he tells this little bit about King Solomon and his wives, he says, wow, that's a lot of pantyhose hanging on the bathroom stall, right? And so he's thinking, I'm going to abbreviate the story right now. This is perfect. So the guy goes, I've got 19 daughters. And Tommy Barnett goes, wow, that's a lot of hoes in the bathroom. Yeah. The church did exactly what you did right now. Some of you are like this. Some of you think it's absolutely hilarious. Well, he's already started off the service amazing, right? So he goes one step further. In the Father's Day service, they also hand out socks to all the dads. Because they say, kids, they steal your socks, so father, here, fathers, here's an extra pair of socks for you. Well, we'd also bust in all of the special needs people in our community. We do that every week, and we line them at the front of the church because we believe the most important people should be at the front of the church, and that's how we honor them on a weekly basis. But he went around because he had extra socks, and he started handing them down the line. Here you go, brother. I love you, yes. And he comes to one guy, and he goes, no, 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 no. He goes, no, I insist, please take this. Keep in mind the jumbotron, okay, is on Tommy. Everybody's watching the whole church. I insist, take, take the socks. He goes, no. Finally, he lifts and he's got two stubs for feet. Yeah. And so Tommy is so quick and he goes, well, brother, one thing you'll never have to worry about is ingrown toenails. <laughs> yeah, I know. He can get away with absolutely anything. Only him. Only he can say hose in the bathroom and tell a person with no feet they won't get ingrown toenails. He's pretty special. Romans 8.28 says, We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. All things aren't good, but we know a God that specializes in taking the bad and bringing good things out of it. And that's why we must look for the good in everything and everyone. We have to emphasize the positive. I know the world looks dreary right now. I know who's in office. I know what the economy looks like. I get it. But we have to emphasize the positive. We've got to raise our expectation level. Some of us are sitting here going, well, it's over. That was a fun run, America. See you in the next lifetime just waving goodbye. But I say what you need to do is raise your expectation level and God will honor it because you're emphasizing the positive. God hasn't left America just yet. Things turn out the best for those who make the best of the way things turn out. I'm not suggesting you ignore your problems. The Bible doesn't call us to be Pollyannas and act like nothing bad ever happens in the world. But that's why we must look for something good in everything and everyone. Here's the deal. You can be realistic and optimistic at the same time. 
You can realize that there are problems here on planet Earth without rehearsing them in your mind over and over and over again. We don't pretend like nothing is wrong. We just know we have a God who is so much bigger than every problem that could ever come our way. You see, David is a great example of this. In Psalms 5, it says, sorry, I just realized I'm running out of time. Okay, I'm gonna skip on. Next, we're gonna talk about watching your words. All of us today should post Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. Paul said, don't let any negative language come out of your mouths. Build others up. The narrative on social media today is so negative on both sides. Both sides are being so awful to each other. Wouldn't it just be so refreshing if all of us today got on our social media and just posted something positive about someone else? Just encourage someone on our platform? I challenge you to do that today. You see, words are such a powerful force in our lives. They carry tremendous influence. And if you are going to learn to live by faith and be a person of great expectation, you've gotta learn to watch your words. And here are three statements I think you should eliminate from your vocabulary, everybody. First of all, what if? Now this is a statement of doubt. That's not a statement of faith. Mohammed only only lost two fights in his life prior to his first retirement. And both of those fights had one thing in common. Before the fight, each press conference, he said, if I should lose this fight. And sure enough, those were the two fights that he lost. I hear people saying, if the marriage should fail, I'll just get a divorce. If, the, if I lose the job, I'll just go and find another one. What are they doing there? They're making room for doubt to enter. And when you say if, you're implying that you're not gonna give your 100%. And if you don't give your 100%, you're not gonna be successful. So let's eliminate what if from our vocabulary. Number two, I can't. There's a big difference between I can't and I won't. I can't and I don't want to. I can't and it's really not a priority to me right now. So say those things and don't say I can't because that's a contradiction to Philippians 4.13 which says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And then number three, eliminate yes, but what people are really saying is yes, I recognize there's an issue, but I don't really wanna change, I just want your pity. So let's all watch for those words and eliminate them from our vocabulary. And number four, this week, associate with positive people and avoid the complainers. My grandfather has the funniest story about this. I know I'm over time, I'm sorry guys, but I gotta tell you this story. So, Easter Sunday, years and years and years ago, my grandfather had this insane idea to get the children of the community into the church. So what he did is he bought thousands of little Easter eggs and in those Easter eggs, he stuffed live little chicks. I know, I know. It was a different world back in the 70s and 80s, okay? But he stuffed all these little eggs with chicks and it was in the newspapers everywhere. As you can imagine, the Karens were in uproar and he gets a call from PETA and PETA goes, I have a complaint to make, Tommy Barnett. He goes, go ahead. He goes, I heard you gave away thousands of little baby chickens to kids on Easter Sunday. He goes, yes, I did, I'm so sorry, I won't do it again. My apologies. 
He finally calms her down. She's about to hang up the phone. And he says, Miss, I have one more confession to make. And she goes, yes, what do you want to say? And she goes, I also ate the baby chicken's mama. <laughs> yeah, she didn't appreciate that very much. First Corinthians 15, 33 says, bad company corrupts good character. Scripture reminds us over and over to watch our relationships. You know why? Because stuff rubs. And the people we associate with in life have a bigger influence on our life than we could ever imagine. So please do not associate with negative, small-minded, nagging, gossiping little people. Avoid gossip because criticism is a cancer. It spreads quickly and it just becomes a feeding frenzy. You know, it reminds me of the story of Joshua in the walls of Jericho. And God told them, I want you to march around this city for seven days and I don't want anybody talking. Nobody talking. Why? Because God knew all it would take is one cynic to go, why are we doing this? This is really dumb. And then another person pipes in, yeah, why are we doing this? I don't really understand this mission. Like what, we should go somewhere else. We should go try another church. Like what's going on? And then a third person pipes in and says, let's start a committee against the wall of Jericho. Let's go to Starbucks and let's just go get a latte and talk about how much we hate marching around the wall of Jericho. And what could have happened is on the sixth day, they walk away and miss the miracle that was on the seventh day. God said, I don't want anybody talking because I don't want any risk of cynicism rising up. That's how powerful negativity can be in someone's life. You could be on the other side of your miracle. You could be right there, but because you allowed some doubt-filled, small thinker, negative little petty people to speak in your life, you miss the entire miracle that is just on the other side. If you want to soar high with the eagles, you got to leave those little turkeys behind. So where does that kind of negativity come from? Well, the root of all negativity is fear. It started in the Garden of Eve with Adam and Eve, Garden Eden with Adam and Eve, and they disobeyed. And it says, we were afraid and so we hid. And I've found that when you see someone who's constantly negative, they're not just a negative person, they're also a very fearful person. When I'm insecure, I get defensive. When I feel like someone's attacking me, my walls go up. You can push a cat against a wall until it hits the wall, but the only place it has to go from there is to attack, is to go forward. It's true in marriage when you're afraid that your spouse is tired of you and you're afraid your spouse is annoyed with you or cheating on you, what do you do? You get defensive and angry because a lot of anger is rooted in fear. And if you wanna get rid of those negative tendencies in your life, you're gonna to have to attack the root of that, which is fear. And when you develop that kind of confidence and that kind of security that says, I know my heavenly father is with me. I know that he's delivered me from the paw of the bear and the paw of the lion, and he is gonna deliver me from the hand of this Philistine, you're gonna see those fears in your life just drop off. It's been said, fear is the dark room where negativities develop. So ask God to help you with your fear and you're gonna see your negativity just melt away. And then my final point, number five, when you pray, thank God in advance. When you pray, expect an answer. If you're praying and not expecting an answer, then why are you even praying? 
We have to believe in advance. You believe and then you receive. It doesn't work the opposite way. Aubrey, you mean I've got to believe that something's going to be here before it even gets here? Yes. That's called faith. If you had, didn't have to believe, if it got here before you even had to believe, that's just gratitude. That's not faith. Jesus said in Mark 11, 22 to 24, have faith in God. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their hearts, but believes, but what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it. That's past tense. And it will be yours. Faith is believing a thing is so, even though it isn't so, so that it might be so. Faith is thanking God in advance. Remember in John 11, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he didn't go there and say, God, please hear me, hear me, God, please, I'm begging you, I'm begging you. No, he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. No, that's faith. It's expecting the best and then thanking God in advance. You guys, an attitude of great expectation, it will change your life. And for you young people, if you can just take hold of this right now, you've got all the time in the world. Imagine what God can do in these next couple years. Some of you are saying, it's time for me to raise my expectations, but Aubrey, I'm just so paralyzed by fear. I'm scared to ask God to raise my expectations because what if I do when he doesn't show up on my behalf? I'm fearful of even asking, so I'm just okay staying here. If you'd all bow your heads and close your eyes right now. I think there's some of you in here today who are allowing fear to dictate your future. Don't give fear what it wants. It wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But God is waiting to give you these amazing dreams, these amazing miracles, but you're allowing a fearful attitude to steal the joys and the miracles that are just around the other side. So in a minute, I'm gonna ask you, if you're tired of letting fear dictate your life and you wanna get freedom from that today, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. How many of you today would say, I want fear to get out. I'm tired of letting fear dictate my life. Thank you, can we stand up right now? Will you just stand up? I know I'm asking a lot. Would you guys just reach your hands towards them in this moment? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that every person in here today represents a story. It says that you've knit us together in our mother's wombs before we were even born that you've known our stories before the foundations of the earth. And I thank you that there are great miracles that you are ready to bestow onto every soul in this place. But Lord, there's many of us here today that have allowed fear to remove that from happening, that have allowed fear to cloud our vision and our dreams. Lord, right now, I just rebuke the spirit of fear. And I thank you that your optimism, that your enthusiasm and your faith is infiltrating their hearts in this moment. I pray that as they lay their heads to sleep tonight, give them dreams, give them visions, give them plans, give them wisdom, Heavenly Father, give them a brand new future that is on the other side. Lord, we know that when we honor you, when we expect great things out of you, you're gonna be honored, you're gonna increase our ability, and you're encouraging other people around us. And I thank you that these dreams are gonna quite literally shake San Diego. 
I thank you that these dreams are gonna change church, churches all over America, change schools, change businesses. I just thank you for the dreams that you are bestowing on a people right now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.